This is Defenders on TV Podcast Industries. We're back in the MCU talking about Secret Invasion, Episode 1. You know, I may not know when a Skrull is pretending to be a human, but I sure as hell know when a human is lying. You know damn well what was in that storage vault. The fact that you don't know tells me all I need to know about this new, rather old Nick Fury. I think Thanos' snap changed you. Taught you that no matter how hard you fight for what's right, there's always someone stronger to undermine you. You seem to forget this old Nick Fury has 30 years of hands-on experience with the Skrulls. I know the nature of this threat way better than you ever will. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to TV Podcast Industries. We're back in the MCU. We're back talking about Secret Invasion. We're back going weekly as well. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Defenders. I am one of your other hosts, Chris. <laughs> and rounding out this trio, I am John. Who can you trust? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, like I just thought you were. I did. I, I literally thought you were just like a bit too much of the the secret wine grape juice. Uh, it's but only, no, it's only it half makes more seven. sense this way. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, flipping it around, uh, especially great for our new listeners who uh, don't realise you've just uh, stolen Chris's identity, there, John. Or did I steal his? Oh, exactly. This is an audio podcast and our listeners will never know. And you're not yes. really Derek. <laughs> I, 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 Derek's actually our, our podcast. Yeah. Yes. This is Charlie speaking. He has discovered the power of language. <laughs> but yes, we are back in the MCU. Yes. This is so good. I, I, I know we we got it recently with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. It mm-hmm. is that's the cosmic MCU. Yeah. This is Earthbound. And I forgot how much I loved it. Absolutely. I would think our regular listeners probably know, but I will say it right here. Nick Fury is my favorite comic book character. I'm gonna remind people that often uh, throughout this uh, throughout this series yes, series. He's purring a lot here next I'm to me. Very happy. I'm very, very happy. I don't think I've been as excited about a Marvel show. Um, since the first episode of Daredevil on Netflix, um, you know that's that's what it's like for me. This is coming to a show centering around Nick Fury, a spy show in the MCU set back on Earth. I'm I was so excited going and seeing this, and I'll I'll spoil it right now. I'm very very happy with what they've delivered. Uh, we have seen the first two episodes, but this podcast is of course going to be about just this episode, just episode one, uh, which is uh, released next week. We get to see the first two episodes um, early, and I will say. Um, it gets better uh, after episode one. I loved episode one. So uh, what does that mean for episode two? <laughs> you loved, loved it. Exactly, exactly. But it would be really silly of us before we went ahead not to uh, take the opportunity really quickly to congratulate Chris, our brand new father in in the, in the Defenders TV podcast group or TV podcast industries group. Finally, one of us is a dad. Exactly. Congratulations, not Chris. Me. Not I me. I literally either. get to say, who's your daddy? It's amazing. <laughs> yes. It sounds weird. But yeah, no, yes, uh, we have welcomed Miles Jones into mm-hmm. the universe. Um, he is now MJ from Spider-Man Love and it. Miles <laughs> from Spider-Man. I just need to get a Peter in there and I'm good. Like, <laughs> I love it's it. The, it's the triple, uh, uh, the triple threat. Um, 
love it. Yes. How, how is little Miles uh, coping with uh, with having you as his dad? He uh, is <laughs> eating, pooping, and sleeping. So well. <laughs> Excellent. So, that's what you want. Like, right? That's really what you want. And that's beyond it. that, yeah. it's kind of like I've yet to I the 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 nerdy part of being a dad is going to be the best part, and mm-hmm. the Godfathers of the podcast universe will also get to teach him, like me, everything nerdish. Absolutely. Like, we- he's going to get his Doctor Strange lore from John. He's uh, going to yes. get his Shield lore from someone else because there is no Shield in the MCU. But oh. then his Nick Fury uh, <laughs> knowledge Harsh. from Derek. <laughs> Absolutely, and my Godfather uh, knowledge is coming from Godfather parts one, two, and three. So <laughs> it will be chaotic. I guess. <laughs> I guess making Miles offers he can't refuse constantly is, is all you'll do then. <laughs> but just <laughs> don't do the horse head in. The no, I'll try not to. I'll try not to. But I am very pleased. Uh, it's been two and a half weeks uh, since my, Miles arrived, and I am very pleased he's already had his uh, his uh, his Marvel baby baby grow on. That's yeah. uh, his. Godfather's gave him, yeah. so uh, we're very proud. Thank you very much, Chris, for, uh, for no sharing the photograph. <laughs> the, the interesting thing is he arrived the um, essentially the week that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse That's right. uh, came out. Across the Spider-Verse, yeah. Across yeah. the Spider-Verse uh, came out, so I was unable to see it. So uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it's a tough one for me, I'm not going to lie. I'm <laughs> like, I love my son, but you're stopping me seeing one of the best animated Spider-Man film, potentially Spider-Man <laughs> film yeah. of all time. Will he rebel against his father's oh, love, yes. which is Marvel? And he will. He, he's gonna. He's gonna turn out and go. No, no. I only like Dark Horse comics. I'm like, ooh, you're greedy and emo now. No, I, oh, I want to play football. <laughs> oh yes, he, he may be sporty. Yeah. That's then his mother's. He's then his mother's son. I <laughs> oh, oh no! It's going to be much worse than that. He's going to spend every weekend playing hurling, uh, the the national one of the national Irish sports. Uh, yes. Just so you have to stand on the sidelines and oh, learn God. all the the rules of hurling, Chris. Uh, <laughs> I'll just be like offside, touchdown. No, maybe something. <laughs> God damn it. Something like that. Box, we'll, box. We'll <laughs> Basically, those are the three sports sports I know. Yeah, yeah, you'll get there, Chris. You'll yes. get there. Many, many, uh, many parents have got there before you, uh, having to learn sports that kids enjoyed well, as well. So but that's but, how the human race has evolved. Yes, we do want to say a big congratulations <laughs> to yourself yes, and Kel, of course, Miles. Uh, looking forward to meeting the little guy this weekend. So, um, let's get into our discussion about uh, Secret Invasion, though. For our wonderful fellow defenders, we hope you're going to be staying with us for the next six weeks as we're covering each episode of the show. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can subscribe by going to tvpodcastindustries.com. If, if it's been a while, if you only follow our Marvel TV shows, uh, go check out the new website. It's pretty cool. Uh, you can also leave a voicemail over there uh, with any of your thoughts on the shows that we're covering, or you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with your thoughts on any of the episodes. So uh, we would love to hear hear from you and hear from, hear from you about your thoughts uh, on the episodes as we go through this season of Secret Invasion. Definitely. Let us get into our spoiler-filled discussion of Secret Invasion Episode 1. Derek, what are some of the episode details? Well, the executive producers of the show are Kevin Feige, Jonathan Schwartz, Louis Desposito, Brad Winderbaum, Samuel L. Jackson, Elise Lim, Kyle Bradstreet, and Brian Tucker. So lots of new executive producers on the show, including, of mm. course, 
Samuel L. Jackson. Good stuff. Yeah, really good to see uh, Samuel J- L. Jackson there mm-hmm. uh, involved behind the camera in, as well. As well, yes. Front. Yeah, I, think I think that's really good. I think the leaders of, of each of the shows have been uh, have been executive producers yeah, on the shows as well. Really, so, uh, really so great good. to have him in, in there. Uh, the head writer for the show is Carl Bradstreet, who you may know from Mr. Robot, uh, one of the lead writers on that show. Um, all of the episodes for the series have been directed by Ali Salim uh, as well. Usually a TV episodic director. He was, uh, he was talking at, um, at Press Junket this week about the fact that this felt much more like a movie because he regularly does TV episodes, but he hasn't done an entirety of a season where he's there for a thousand days filming everything and then gets out alive at the other end and can show the product to everybody and go, this is my product. I was involved in all the directions. So that's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah, that is cool. very cool. Yeah, like that. Uh, this episode was written by, written of course, by showrunner Kyle Bradstreet and by Brian Tucker. Uh, Brian Tucker, interestingly, is the writer on the upcoming remake of Todd McFarlane's Spawn. Mother the film Tucker. or the animated yes. one? The brand new remake of uh, of Spawn. I think it's the live action. Ooh, I wonder if they, I wonder if they still have Jamie Foxx attached. That's the uh, last maybe. time I've heard about that. Yeah. Film. <laughs> Jamie Foxx was going to be Spawn. I was like, interesting, interesting. Oh. We'll see how it goes. As it stands at the moment, of course, Rally Strike is going on in the US at the moment, so uh, no further confirmation on any plans until they sort out paying uh, people what they are owed. Um, so right. it'll be it'll be a while before uh, before we get any movement on any upcoming projects. But uh, that's that's the upcoming uh, plan for for Brian Tucker uh, when he is allowed to go back to work and being paid correctly. Yes, there you go. Good stuff. Uh, but with that said, with all the people behind the show, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Secret Invasion Episode 1? Sure. Former CIA agent Everett Ross meets a contact, Agent Prescott, in Moscow, where Prescott shares his theory that multiple coordinated terrorist attacks point to an infiltration of a secret force of shape-shifting scrolls across the planet. Ross kills the operative and escapes with the information, When he realises he's being pursued, he calls Maria Hill for an extraction. But as the pursuit intensifies, Everett Ross falls to his death in front of Maria. But as his body transforms to its original scroll form, his pursuer reveals himself as Nick Fury's close scroll friend, Talos. Nick Fury returns to Earth from his mission setting up the planet's defence system, Sabre. Talos tells him about the new scroll threat, a young Skrull, Gravik, who is disillusioned by Nick Fury's failure to provide the Skrull refugees with a new home. His methods to build a new Skrull homeland on Earth are extreme and violent, with the intention to start a war between countries. Gravik has been calling other Skrulls to his cause at his base, New Skrullos, in an abandoned nuclear facility where he is planning his next strike against Moscow. Using his contact in MI6, Sonia Falsworth, Nick learns of a bomb maker in Moscow who is working with the Skrulls. Fury and Talos confront the bomb maker and learn of the plot to set up three explosions around a central square in Moscow, which will plunge the planet into another Cold War. Talos, meanwhile, meets his daughter Gaia, who has joined the renegade Skrull forces under the leadership of Gravik. He pleads with his daughter to help Fury stop the bomb and Gaia agrees to mark the bombs so they can be tracked. Fury, Maria Hill, and Talos converge on the bombers, thanks, seemingly, to the traces placed by Gaia, but their backpacks are empty. As the bombs go off and chaos erupts, Maria is shot by a scroll who takes the face of Nick Fury to trap her. Searching for her murderer, Fury is faced by Gravik, 
as he makes his escape. So the invasion is revealed in the first episode. And we have kicked off the spy drama. Uh, who can you trust, right? Definitely. Mm. What's the overall thoughts? What's your What's your feeling about this episode? Chris, let's throw it to you. It's a spy-ass spy show. Like, <laughs> 100%. Spy spy, but yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it's a thriller. Like, mm-hmm. you, from the get-go, I actually, no, from, let me step back. From that first initial opening with Ross, it, it, I just thought it was going to be a bit more kind of like, I was like, okay, so he's going to talk about it, then he's going to try and go and get fury. I was kind of right. trying to step it up in my head. Mm-hmm. And I, cause I didn't think they'd go that way straight away. Right. Yeah. But I just, it just got so engaging mm-hmm. each and every moment as each scene kind of evolved. And that's kind of the key part to me, which is top thoughts is this was an overall amazing episode. If we want to get into the individual details, we mm-hmm. can do that now. We absolutely will. John, how about yourself? What's your initial thoughts on the on the episode? Yeah, I really like this. Um, I'd forgotten how much I, I like S.H.I.E.L.D. I know it's not S.H.I.E.L.D., but Nick Fury and the whole espionage spy a- aspect of the Marvel Universe, to be honest. And mm-hmm. um, th- this is really sort of spying it up. Um, you know, it, it's kind of... It's quite slow and methodical. Um, I think this episode just, I mean, apart from possibly the opening, uh, but it, you know, it's got a lot of, um, it's got a lot of stuff to explain. I mean, yeah. but I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I mean, my notes were half, were mainly qu- with question marks throughout them because Love it's it. kind of like that, you know, that like even just at the start with, uh, what we'll discuss around Everett Ross, you mm-hmm. know, I was like going as I was watching it, you know, is that person a scroll? Is that person a scroll? Yep. You know, and so on. So th- there is a lot of that. It- it's almost, um, you know, the premise of the show being who can you trust? But it's also, you know, what can you believe? I think there is, um, the, uh, the unreliable narrator mm-hmm. gone large. Um, yeah. who is who? What is what? Um, so it, yeah, it, it's really good. I love that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, that, that is, this is absolutely the reason why I love Nick Fury as a character in Marvel. This is the kind of storylines that were told in his books have always been the mystery, the spy drama, you know, who can you trust? Everybody turning on everybody else, double agents, that kind of thing. So, uh, so seeing this put on screen the way it was. Excellent. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Let's get, let's kick into our top five case points. Uh, we normally break these down into five big moments, five things that we want to talk about, uh, throughout the episode. But let's talk about that. I'm going to call it the Cold War open, the cold open for the episode, uh, where we get introduced to Everett Ross, a character we know uh, pretty well. We've seen him in, in lots of movies, most recently in, uh, in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, where he, uh, where he got kicked out of the CIA, right? Um, so, the opening of the of the show here has him being contacted by another agent who feels he can trust Everett with his findings about this scroll plan on Earth. But I love how Prescott is playing it, that he's kind of feeling out Everett Ross, trying to work out whether he can trust him because he's just discovered you can't trust anybody, even somebody that you know. So I love the back and forth between the two of them here where it feels like that shadow dancing. Uh, can I trust you? Can I give you this yeah. information or not? You know, And even us as the audience watching it, cons- probably because we know Martin Freeman in this role for a while, we're watching it going, maybe he's the scroll. 
maybe Prescott is the scroll. You know, you're watching it wondering what's going to happen here. I, I think that's it. I mean, I, I, there was a really lovely moment where Prescott gives uh, Everett Ross like a, an iPad to, to look through the data, the evidence that he's collected on mm-hmm. it. And the camera kind of pans around and you have Prescott in the background blurred out, you know, with the focus on Everett Ross. And I was half expecting to see that change of Prescott happen sort of yeah, in that in the, blurred in look. Yeah. Um, and it didn't come. And I was like, oh, okay. Because, yeah, I was thinking, is this to draw in Everett Ross? Exactly. And then immediately the switch is, okay, well, he hasn't. That was kind of a moment where he could have done because Ross has his back to him. And then you're just kind of like, well, is it Everett Ross? And then you're going, oh, but who is Everett Ross? And like, at least initially, I was there going, you know, I think we were discussing, would it be Talos? You know, we just don't know what's his involvement yeah, yeah, yeah. in this Skrull invasion. Um, you know, and then. It plays out in this frenetic chase uh, across um, the the rooftops around where he's met uh, Prescott, mm-hmm. and it was just, I really enjoyed um, that whole chase as well. It's Absolutely. like Everett Ross falling from the building as he's sort of trying to escape his pursuer uh, was just. It felt I, I kind of felt his smack into the 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 ground. Um, totally agree. Yeah. On on the road, yeah. and I quite a way I, to I end, just, end that chase sequence. Having yeah. Everett Ross, who you think is your hero, being chased down by some kind of Russian operative behind exactly. him, missing his jump. It's something you never see with the hero character or a scroll. I mean, you, you you're kind of there going, is it a Russian operative yeah. or is it scroll? And I mean, yeah, just that fall, because it, it was almost like he landed right on his face. Mm-hmm. We well, did. <laughs> and it, yeah. yeah. And it was just like... It's a bit of a squelch sound. Yeah. Like, I kind of had flashbacks to being a kid where I kind of went over the handlebars right. of of my bike and sort of braked my own body with my face. Right. And ah. it was just kind of... Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was beautiful. And... <laughs> This it, is why we record an audio podcast, not a video podcast. No, audio <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it was just beautiful, the result of that little um, accent. But yeah, so I was just like, oh, wow. But it, it felt really kind of visceral. And mm-hmm. then to see the, you know, what transpires after that with Everett actually being the scroll, mm-hmm. his chaser actually being Talos. Talos yes. And then you kind of go, but who's Maria Hill and what's she? <laughs> You're just like, ah. Yeah. It's like sort of being caught in the maze of, of the writer's script, and it's really good. Yeah. yeah. I I love this open. Um, it, every part of it was just kind of your your standard-born identity run, that kind of like, oh, we're running through streets, we're throwing over rooftops. Yeah. Every up, like mid-2000s, late-2000s kind of um, spy thriller had these yeah. like Mission Impossible run over rooftops. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. And then that fall, the sound effects was mm-hmm. just, oh, yeah. as you said, the squelch. It was just, oof. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I have to also give them a bit of praise for setting this in Moscow. You know, there's lots of tensions going on in Russia, obviously, as the world is aware of, but nothing evokes the Cold War like having 
an agent of the CIA being chased by potentially an agent of the KGB in Russia shouting Russian at them as they're <laughs> running away. You know, it really does evoke those feelings that you get when you watch those Cold War movies from the eighties and seventies. You know, uh, great job, uh, good good choice. Yeah. Uh, couldn't have, no. couldn't have been better. We can no. we can finally go back to hating the Russians and putting them in as the villains in all of our uh, all of our movies again. Da is potato. Yeah, but but the reveal there, and what a, what a great way I think of pulling these characters all back together. You know, the last time we saw Talos, he was in um, Spider Man No Way Home. He was yep. impersonating Nick Fury throughout that movie. Uh, we haven't actually seen Nick Fury in a movie for quite a long time as a character. He, he was in the tail end of that in the in the uh, post credit scene showing he was in space, but we haven't seen much of Nick Fury for quite a long time, other than kind of an appearance at uh, I think uh, the the funeral of, of Iron Man um, was the last full-on appearance that we saw him after the snap. And then he kind of had a, an appearance in uh, Captain America Winter, Winter Soldier, which was his last major movie. And, of course, the flashback movie, which was Captain Marvel, where we learned loads about Talos and loads about the Skrulls. The big reveal in that movie being the Skrulls aren't evil. They're actually refugees traveling through space because they're being attacked by the Kree. That was a big reveal for all of us comic book fans who have seen Skrulls as the people who infiltrate and take over planets and take anybody's face. Now here we are a couple of years later and it's being revealed that actually a couple of factions here and some of the scrolls are villains, but Talos, yeah. the one we know as a friend, isn't the villain. He's the one investigating. But a great job here pulling all those disparate threads together, bringing Everett Ross in to connect the two sides. He's the one that calls Maria Hill for an extraction. She hasn't really been in contact with Talos for a while. And then the two of them meet over this dead scroll body of the evil scrolls, that's called them for the moment. Yeah. No, and yeah. it, it, Good it writing. gives so much questions. It sets up so much questions for not just mm-hmm. this episode, but we assume the rest of the series and beyond. Um, this is going to have ramifications. Exactly. Because the first question you have is, how long has that skull been ever Ross? Yeah. Exactly. Is is yeah. there is Everett Ross still walking around, mm-hmm. or was this scroll Everett Ross back in Black Panther? Absolutely, like, you you start questioning. So every for every scroll we see in in a MCU character's face, mm-hmm. we're going to end up having questions. Yes, um, yes, and in particular, how long have they been there? And the last time we saw them in X was that them or not? Exactly. Um, so it's going exactly. to be. Love that idea. Love, love that, um, that doubt that it can put on, uh, what's happened with characters in the past. And we'll talk about the scrolls and how they become and how they, how they take over a human a bit later on. Uh, cause I think that's also, uh, mm. uh, something that adds some great questions to how long have they been in place. I, I think that's pretty cool. Um, anything else about the Cold War open? Anything else about the Cold Open of the episode before we move on to the next point? Um, I think just two things, I guess. Um, the opening credits felt yes. very kind of, you know, 40s, 50s kind of yeah. vibe to them, uh-huh. just evoking that Cold War element as well. It was uh, really cool, yeah. Yeah, which I really, really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, I guess, the whole who can you trust, you know, the Cold War, you had McCarthyism, all this kind of thing, or even like today, where you get your sources of information. And yeah. I, I did like that conversation between uh, Ross and Prescott where they talk about imagining a world where info can't be trusted. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's not difficult, is it? I think he actually says, um, we're society phrase, and, you know, you turn to people who 
we thought could be trusted, um, but they can't any longer. Um, it's not just the information, but it's the people exactly. um, as well. It's the actual individuals yeah. or groups that you can't trust. And I guess, you know, that's equally of its moment uh, right here, right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I really just kind of like that, you know, as part of that overall theme uh, yeah. that you're getting because it's also very personal. It's also very real, also very pertinent. And, yeah, I love, I love his line as well about, um, and there is an architect to this chaos that's being thrown in the world. It's not just chaos for chaos' sake. Someone's yeah. behind it. Oh, I love I love how he calls it the architect of chaos. That's cool. A cool uh, subtitle for your villain, isn't it? Yeah. And, it, I mean, it feels very Sherlock Holmesy as well yeah. with Moriarty, that idea of, you know, the the master weaving the web uh, mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Um, so, yeah, really good. Excellent. Really good to be back in a that kind of world, I think. Yes, without a doubt. Uh, I just got one last thing to say about this because I loved it. Um, the marketing for Secret Invasion has been really fun. Um, this opening scene was uh, was available. Just the opening conversation, really, with Prescott and uh, and uh, Everett Ross uh, was available. If you caught that they posted nine photographs that made up to a map and a code where you could go to a website and watch those first uh, couple of minutes of the episode. How cool is that? They basically were putting up the photos and deleting them immediately. So if you were there quickly enough, you could grab uh, the images. Very cool idea. Loved it. Uh, I'll add very quickly in social media, I got on Twitter, uh-huh. you could interact with um, the, the Marvel Studios kind of Secret Invasion account if you mm-hmm. liked the tweet. It looked at your Twitter profile and said whether you were a scroll or not. Yes. And I literally got, are you a scroll? Here's our take. And it was Colby Smulders basically going, yep, you're a scroll. Excellent. So (laughs) I don't know what to tell you folks. Maybe I'm not here. I got Nick Fury himself telling me I was a scroll. Oh, everyone's a scroll. No, no. If you you, uh, ask them to analyze again. Uh, you may get a different outcome. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was still the Curie, but he said definitely not a scroll. So, uh, uh, excellent. So I'm going to keep that one and delete the other one. Yes. Yeah, I go. haven't done this yet. There you go. Have to get you on it. Let's get on to case stat number two. Speaking of Fury, um, this is his show, right? So let's uh, let's talk about Nick Fury. Um, our second point is Fury isn't the same. Lots of call-outs of this uh, amongst multiple characters here. Uh, he has a conversation with Talos, who says, ever since he came back from the snap, Nick Fury's been different. Uh, even the opening scene that we see of Fury, there's a little nod to the Area 51 alien, the kind of white alien with the big eyes, uh, as Nick is beamed down from Saber, where he's been working in space. Um, it looks like that classic version of an alien. And then you see it's actually Nick Fury with his massive beard, uh, looking very uh, much older, um, looking yeah. very much more tired. Has a bit yeah. of a limp, as well. as well. Yeah, because yeah. I, I mentioned the last time we saw him was in that post-credit scene of, of Spider-Man: No Way Home. In that, he's actually chilling out, uh, pretending to be on a beach uh, while he's up in space. He looks pretty relaxed. Um, can't find his shoes because he's been relaxing so long up there. Uh, here, it looks like he's had a pretty hard time uh, over the uh, what's it now? Five years since the snap. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. five years away, so ten years in total. That uh, I guess since that all happened. Yeah, no, and I, I think look, I we we've seen other shows deal with the potential PTSD of the snap and what it happens. An interesting thing is what happens or what is the impact if you are the man 
who knew everything mm-hmm. had like was always 15 steps ahead of everything else going yep. on in the world you were one of the puppet masters mm-hmm. yeah and in a snap you were taken away and you were brought back 5 years later to nothing yeah like everything you built is gone all some of your biggest some the avengers gone everything mm-hmm. gone <laughs> yeah and then you're, I think we're going to be dealing, and you kind of get hints of it, with a broken Nick Fury. Yeah. Now, the question is, what happens by the end of this? Is is he reforged, or mm-hmm. is this the is this the end of Nick Fury? Like, is, are they going to kind of call an end to this story, Yeah, if you will? Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, it, it's also, like, because um, as you say, it... A number of people make this point to him, and it's like again halfway through, and they're going, "But is that what he wants them to think?" You yes. know, and in particular when he's with Maria Hill, uh, having a drink at a, a hostelry in, in Moscow, and um, you know, and she's she's there doubting his abilities. You know, the person she, she has placed so much trust in, mm-hmm. um, has worked with has got, you know, has reneged against the US government, um, you know, with S.H.I.E.L.D. going down and still working for him, helped, you know, during the dark times of S.H.I.E.L.D., really. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of thought it was really sort of big that she was doubting this. You know, she says, you're always three steps ahead, but but not now. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not ready for this and i was just as soon as it was coming from her i was just like is he is he bluffing here you know mm-hmm. is the the limp as he comes down from uh the space station where he's developing saber yeah. as uh, maria comes to pick him up is that just to give that impression to her that is, is it that you know because i i think in in the pub with maria he says i haven't quite decided what to what the next step is and that's why yeah. she says um you're normally three steps ahead and i just thought if this really is fury mm-hmm. and given everything going on <laughs> you know is he placing this doubt into the people who he thinks yeah. um maybe scrolls um in order to put them off guard to underestimate him mm-hmm. um and, and so on so it, it's just a really great play and um, because the blip is such a big moment in this whole yeah. Yeah. MCU that it could quite easily be as well. But yeah. I thought it was quite interesting it also coming from Maria Hill. Absolutely. And seeing that these two characters are so close together, you know, these two characters um, have worked together for so many years. Uh, an interesting description that Maria Hill, uh, sorry, that Kobe Smulders gave of her character, Maria Hill, is. The blip happened, both herself and Nick disappeared. When she came back, she basically went back to her office and started catching up on work. When Nick came back to Earth, he went up to space to start on this project. He separated himself, and he's not returning calls to her. She mentions this in the episode. He's he's not returning any of Maria Hill's calls. He's returning Talos's calls, or Talos's calls, but yeah. not hers. Um, so interesting, she thought she would have been the closest to him, was always at his side, and now five years after the blip or how many years after the blip, he's now no longer returning her calls, but is staying in contact with Talos. Absolutely. I also like the notion that Saber is this protective defensive shield around Earth, which was what Iron Man 
uh, wanted that he's kind of this notion that he's carrying out the wish of of Iron Man because yeah, yeah Captain America just didn't have the kahunas to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, let's not bring back up uh, that uh, discussion about Cap and, uh, and yes. Iron Man's uh, and Iron Man's poor choices. Um, Anything else? I, I, well, sorry, I want to bring in one of the other major characters here in uh, in our discussion of Fury, um, because we get introduced to Olivia Coleman's Sonia Falsworth uh, in this episode. Talk about a scene stealer. Oh, <laughs> like, Olivia Coleman yeah. is amazing in pretty much everything. We've been big fans of her right back to uh, Hot Fuzz and uh, Peep Show, yeah. uh, where she was on every week. But she's she's such an interesting actress because she's been in everything loads of americans know her from the crown and have never seen her comedy work uh before she's a very good comedic actress you would have seen on pretty much every comedy show uh in the uk and ireland uh she she's able to turn her hand to anything and here she fits in very well in this world she doesn't stand out but she does chew the scenery uh yeah. in this conversation she has with nick so for me, this is interesting when you put a samuel jackson versus a little i was like Oh, uh-huh. it, it, it's a clash of titans uh, yeah. in both the characters and these actors. Because, yeah. like, Samuel Jackson isn't known for being kind of a demure, quiet, timid man or actor who just kind of subtly, like, he's not Colin Firth. Right. He's just not going to be a gentleman <laughs> and just quiet. And every, he is like, there's too many snakes on a plane type man. <laughs> so when you put these two opposing forces, I I did question how it was going to go, mm-hmm. and it is very much a, a, it's a duel between the two of them as both actors and characters. You can see them; it's chess. It they are moving and yeah. they are constantly counteracting. And as I loved it, I, I loved it. I think Olivia Coleman won out in the scene. Interesting. There will Interesting. be other yeah. scenes where potentially. Samuel Jackson will win out. Mm-hmm. He'll just he'll act a bit more, and then he'll win that one, and we'll see who wins <laughs> yeah. at the end. It's the but perfect overall, introduction to her, though. I, you're totally right. She is trying to get a bit of one upmanship on Fury. Absolutely. I love that she. To your point, John, I love that she questions how much he's changed since the blip by saying, "There's no way my men would ever have been able to jump you." And he kind of goes, "Well." I used them to get to you. That's what I did. But she's still kind of going, well, I don't really believe that. Maybe you're just, you are a broken old man. You know, you're the old fury. Um, but he does, uh, while he's in there, he does uh, get a monitoring camera into that room so that he can find out uh, what her plans are, what Sonia's plans are, and he can develop his investigation. So I think you might be right, John. I think he does have a lot of his old wits about him, and this might be just another another Nick Fury um plot or plan to yeah. to make sure people underestimate him it's a well, new a new use of his powers yeah like well i i think that's it i mean like on the face of it in in this scene sonia falsworth seems massively well connected mm-hmm. um i mean she's presumably you know head of mi6 uh operations in russia at least and mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. if not higher given you know we do hear that he uh, destroyed her flat and city in Spider-Man: Far From Home. And mm. um, again, she's incorrect though. But anyway, no, that's ex- just no, exactly. <laughs> but we know that that was ultimately Talos and his wife. Talos, yeah. Um, and so, you know, she certainly seems really well connected on the face of it. Again, it, it's playing to what are the bluffs here? What yeah. are the red herrings exactly. going on? And it, it like these. 
these two characters, I absolutely loved them together. And I got that sense that they really enjoyed that scene. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but it just felt really good. Even, you know, I think she got the one-upmanship on him because, yeah, she had got him bundled here and also had served the drinks with the um, bottom-shelf piss that she gave him for destroying said flat and city. I love Um, that. I think think you know my my drink of choice is bourbon. Uh, No, no, from now on you get bottom-shelf piss (laughs) because of what you did. Uh, Until you apologize for it, until you made up for it, uh, that's all you're getting. (laughs) But I really like that, you know, you could sense despite that, you know, she hugely respected... Nick Fury, you know, head of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, and seeing that they are also both trying to snuff out, as she says, the Skrull menace. Yeah. Effectively. So, yeah, interesting. And then again, to the point, well, if she's not Skrull, and possibly Fury is, is that why there's the little video camera going in, so that they know? Mm Mm-hmm what her operations are because she is she does seem really well connected uh, as well as nick fury yeah you know yeah. so i i liked i, I like this character a lot yeah definitely yeah. chris anything to add about uh about fury or about uh, sonia falsworth no I, I i'm just interested to see wh- where and how they they kind of continue to kind of spar in the future um, throughout this season, and whether like is Sonya who she says that she is, and how far that kind of goes. Again, it's just at this point, it's very much the tagline of this show: "Who can we trust?" So, uh, yeah, we will talk about that in our uh, in our point exactly. number five, which will probably be our uh, our regular point at number five every week as we go through this show uh, on who can we trust. Um, yeah, just absolutely loved uh, this character in here. Loved the sparring between the two of them. And again, uh, another one of the the things that uh, Olivia Coleman said about taking this role was that she just always wanted to work with someone like uh, like Samuel L. Jackson. Um, she's she's really interested in working with him. Wanted to to do it, and uh, the two of them sparring together. You're absolutely right. She said she loved scenes working with. Samuel Jackson, where the two of them could just kind of go up against each other, and uh, I think Samuel Jackson called her the most dangerous woman in England. I presume he was speaking about Sonia Falsworth. Uh, that could no. equally apply to <laughs> and her comedy because she uh, can probably kill people. With she is the queen. Well. So, remember, she is the queen. She is the queen. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Let's move on to uh, to number three. Um, on our case note number three, we're talking about Gaius, and let's talk about Gravik and the scrolls, all, all of the scrolls themselves, Talos. Um, Gaius and, and Gravik. Who wants to take that? I'll, I'll I'll start. This is interesting. We're reintroduced to Gaius, mm. uh, having not seen her for years. Yeah, that's an interesting one because I did go back and check this. The character wasn't named in Captain Marvel, so thankfully, <laughs> some people may not be aware who Gaius is. Chris, do you want to explain? Sorry, that? yes. So yeah. uh, Gaius is Talos's daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do see her at the very end of uh, Captain Marvel on the ship where Talos brings um, Carol Danvers and you see then Talos's wife and daughter. Sorry, uh, yes. Uh, and you basically, so we're, we are introduced to her. Now remember, that was in the 90s and it's been 30 years. 
Has it been thirty years since the nineties? <laughs> so that makes wow. me feel really yeah, old. We okay. we are we are slightly yeah. old. Yeah. Um, for those of us who remember the nineties. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, when no, I yeah. was a kid, <laughs> <laughs> there used to be a thing called Blockbuster <laughs> uh, and telephones with wires. Oh. oh. <laughs> uh, but so we've, we were reintroduced to her, but introduced mm-hmm. very much for the first time because we are getting yep. her as this adult. So we see we're slowly also introduced to Scrollopolis or New Scrollian or Scrollville <laughs> or <laughs> oh my god, I was like Scrollos. I was worst like, name it ever. It really is. Yeah. I was like. Why? Why? Like, because comic books. That's that's the name of their home planet. Uh, I know, and, and was yeah. shown in Captain Marvel. Uh, but you're right; they, they should have chosen a new name. We're not going to call it New Scrollos. We're going to call it a cooler name than yeah. the name of our actual home planet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like Scrollville 2.0. <laughs> like, just like like New Scrollian. No, see, mm-hmm. like it's just why it's like why like we wouldn't go New Humanos. Well, actually, that's not a bad name for a place. Oh, um, no, don't, just anyway, don't go down that moving, rabbit yeah, hole. We are, we are interested. We are given a small tidbit that this this is around nuclear, um, lots of nuclear facilities because mm. scrolls do not, are not impacted by radiation. Yeah. So we will see then, like, we'll probably get some form of, they're going to Chernobyl. It was secretly in Chernobyl all along. Yeah. Very much something like that because that was mm. dropped. But again, nuclear power plant, very interesting. We yeah. see all these survivors and we're introduced to what looks like the mission between refugees and quote unquote warriors. Yes. Yeah. Which is very interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. This idea that you can choose to be a refugee, choose to live there. Anybody's welcome to come. Any of the scrolls that are on earth are welcome to come and live here. Or you can take up arms, become a warrior. And have pride of place within within this group, uh, under Gravik, yes. yes, and his right hand man Pagon, yeah, who, who is really cool, yeah. yes. But I do think is going to die an unfortunate death at someone's hand. Okay, he, he's been one of these kind of like they're building him up, and I'm like, oh buddy, yeah. oh that's not going to end well for you. Yeah, <laughs> is it okay. because he's the Irish actor, Chris? Yes, a hundred percent. Okay, yes, <laughs> he is essentially the red suit, the Poor red Killian shirt Scott. from yeah. Star Trek. I, I think he's going to be the one that will do the things that Gravik might resist on. He might be the one that uh, that that uh, carries out Gravik's orders um, yes. throughout throughout the show. But but a really interesting dynamic here. He does seem to be the one that is. Um, Taking the missions and and uh, enacting them, he's the one that gives yeah. Gaia her mission to go out to um, to r- retrieve the bombs um, and, and pay for them effectively. I th- I think as well, what was interesting was you know while Gaia had come to New Skrullos and had effectively left uh, her father, mm-hmm. and you know even though she was high up and being trusted with a lot of stuff mm. in the, in this episode. I didn't get the sense that there was any particular sort of residual respect or, you know, nope. in, in terms of, um, the family name and her father. Mm. Like it, it almost felt as though Gravik was really s- still suspicious of her. And yeah. so I like that even within this 
New Skrullos society and the formation of this army, mm-hmm. you know, again, who are they able to to trust within their own ranks? Yeah. Um, because, you know, you got the sense that Gravik is right to do that at one stage of yeah. this episode. Um, and then possibly it was a plan all along. Yeah, that's so possibly she in, was... In terms yeah. of the, the, the next phase of their uh, plan to cause all-out war between countries on Earth yeah. uh, with that um, attack on the the Moscow Square. Yeah, I, I kind of got the sense from the way that Amelia Clark was playing this role that while Gaia has been involved in in this operation, she's been much more involved in the refugee side and bringing Definitely. people in and, and, telling, and showing them the ropes. And it's not that she had a problem with being a warrior on the other side, but she was giving people the choice and, and introducing them and now wants to step up, now wants to make more of a difference within this group. So um, so I got the feeling this is like the first mission she's ever been sent on. Yeah. And it, it's partially her choice and partially Gravik keeping her away from from those things. So yeah, that's a that's a really interesting one. Who do they trust exactly? But he did yeah. kill her mother, so Well Seemingly. Yeah, seemingly. At least that's what Talos is saying. Yeah. So uh, but remember, Gaia doesn't know that until she meets up with Talos. She doesn't even know that her mother's yeah. dead. Exactly. Um she just knows her mother was dead against someone like Gravik. Um but has that argument when she meets up with Talos where she finds out that her mother's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um I do want to talk about one big thing here because we never really have learned about how scrolls can uh, can change over how they're how they're infiltrating let's say uh we haven't we haven't seen that all we've seen is them being able to see someone from across the room and, and change into them what's really interesting add-on here is that they can capture a person and transfer all of that person's memories over to yes. uh to one of the scrolls i thought that was fascinating i loved how they showed that where they got the american and transferred his face onto one of the new scrolls coming in and then they they transferred all of his uh, all of his mind and, and all of his knowledge over. Absolutely. The other aspect to that that I found really interesting was because in New Skrullos, in this radiation zone, mm-hmm. um, you know, Amelia says to the the new guy that she's picked up from from the gate, uh, Betos, I think, mm-hmm. um, that you know they only grow their own produce and you can keep their natural form uh, of a scroll. Yes. Yet there are. Um, there's a lot of people that are also taking the human form mm-hmm. and they they talk about how the longer they they maintain that form the harder it is for them to be outed effectively or detected yes uh, by other scrolls that they aren't actually human so that's another thing so that explains why even though you have this um, you know, rebel leader, mm-hmm. um, talking about creating new Skrullos, they're keeping their human form, I yeah. guess. Because the minute he trains back into Skrull form, he's nobody, none of the Skrulls know that it's him because they haven't seen him without his human form for a while yeah. either. Yeah. So I like, I like that idea too. Maybe Gravix is actually human <laughs> and not a Skrull. <sighs> Ooh, I guess I'm sure we'll find out he's more about too big, as the show you know, He's but. too big for you to question it. I mean, I'm not Ooh, saying that he is. It's just, you know, that's the thing. Which of these characters are too big where you kind of go, I'm not going to question it. Like Fury, you know, his counterpart on the scroll side at this moment, Gravix, mm-hmm. or even Talos. I have an idea, but we'll, we'll chat more. 
So Fury's a scroll and Gravix human. I love that idea. <laughs> oh, I like this. This is we're going to have an interesting, quick discussion yeah. uh, on who could we trust uh, later on. Um, but one of the other implications that you guys mentioned about this idea that the scrolls can't be affected by radiation that's here. One of the really concerning elements of that is they're in Russia. They're about to start a war between Russia and the USA. That's the whole purpose of these bombs. If a nuclear war starts and humans are wiped out, scrolls just come out of their hiding places and take over the world, right? Yep. Because none of them are affected by it. So yep. they don't care about nuclear war, um, which is part of the reason why they're willing to do this kind of attack. Yeah. How scary is that as a as a, pl- a motive for your major villains in the show, huh? I like it because it's yeah. essentially they they just want a planet. They want yeah. they they want a home. They just don't care how they get it. Mm. Um and I, I think it's it's an interesting kind of Discussion, which is, well, if humans aren't good enough for the planet, well, maybe. We'll take it. We'll take it. Um, I have two things. One, it didn't look like there was any shielding around those humans in the pods, so they're still getting radiation poisoning. Uh, (laughs) Unless the the, the crystals in their temples uh, is Reiki and kind of just pulls the radiation away. Interesting. but again, this the whole fun part of that, very quickly, it's established. Anyone can be a scrum. Mm-hmm. Anyone. Because it's not just that they have full access to the memories. Yes. Up until the point of like that person going into the pod. So, cool. Like, the only thing is, when that person dies, they will take scroll form. Exactly. But that is also called into question when Gaia essentially goes, well... It's the longer we're in this forum, the harder it is for us to turn back. So if you're killed mm-hmm. or a skull is killed, will it take some time for their body to reform when they die? Interesting. Question to yeah. think about. That, well, exactly. I didn't, I didn't think yeah. about that at all. Yeah. I thought I thought it was just more if you stay in human form and don't turn into a scroll, when you turn back into a scroll, nobody can tell which scroll you are. Um do you know what I mean? And then yeah. if you stay in scroll form, when you take human form, nobody can tell what human you are because yeah. they haven't seen that human in a while that's all i thought about but that's a really interesting one and may come in in a moment um one one other interesting part of it again because they're keeping the humans uh there and taking their their bodies and memories i presume if a scroll dies they can just replace that scroll with another another scroll taking that same human form if someone if someone's in a position of power for example and they die they can be replaced by another scroll so just because you've taken out one scroll impersonating someone in power doesn't mean that there isn't another 10 behind them that could just walk in and take yeah, their place exactly. with all the same memories. So uh, also very scary about these characters. Yeah. Well, all the same memories up to the point where the original human was captured. Not for... So if that ca- human was captured... Yes. 20... 10 years ago, and they, the scroll has been impersonating for 10 years, they don't maybe. have all the memories for the last 10 years, which is yeah, going maybe. to be fun as well. Yeah. But they've got their own memories. So, yes, but if they yeah. so if you, we're talking about if, so if even if that scroll dies and someone else comes back in as well, yeah. Yeah. They, that they won't have those. That's ones. true. Yeah. yeah, they'll have detail files. Detail files, yes. Chris. That's what this is all about. <laughs> the spy game. Um, good stuff. Anything else about the scrolls in the show themselves? Uh, we we didn't really talk much about Gravik and, and his motivations uh, behind what he's doing here. I'm sure we'll talk about it more as the series goes on, uh, of course. But. Um, I, I do kind of like this idea of the two factions of scrolls here. Um, 
as I said, the big twist in Captain Marvel was that the Skrulls were, were refugees. Uh, now we're talking 30 years later, what's happened to those refugees that haven't been treated well and didn't get what was promised. Well, that's it. I mean, it, it mainly comes from, from Talos, who's a, you know, that Gravit takes Fury's disappearance harder. Um, and he's now recruiting disaffected Skrulls mm-hmm. uh, because, um, Fury had made a promise to uh, the Skrulls that he would find a new home for them. Mm. And, of course, his disappearance, then there's five years lost there, and then since. But even before that, um, before the blip, you know, all that time in between. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess at the moment that's his main motivation is that feels as though there has been... Um, a betrayal. A, a, a betrayal yeah. here. Yeah. Um Yep. But I think, shall we get on to case note number four? Yes. Uh, on the bomb plot for, well, we're saying Red Square here. Um, I was sure it said Red Square in the show itself, but. It just didn't look like didn't it, really look I like guess, it. For, for me. Um, well, but, seeing that it was filmed in the UK, I was well, like, exactly, oh. <laughs> exactly. So, That's um, a London Square. So who knows? Um, but it's certainly a it's central too, it, Moscow square. Yes, it's just too too iconic a location that you wouldn't use the that actual as your, back, square, uh, as exactly. your backdrop. Even if you couldn't film there, you would use something uh, to look much more like. And normally, I kind of feel you kind of have missiles and tanks being paraded through it, rather than uh-huh. kind of a, a sort of a artisan food market uh, <laughs> in in there. So yeah, yeah. It, it didn't feel like Red Square, but certainly. Um, here we, you know, the, this plot in order to raise tensions, uh, with Russia. Um, so I, I kind of, again, this was just really good. I, I, I mean, I think in particular around, um, you know, giving Gaia the task of picking up the bomb from the art dealer, mm-hmm. um, who, and, and bomb maker. Um, and, but I think, with with Talos chasing her down and talking to his daughter, um, again that additional thing, you know, he tells her about the death of his mother, but then you know he drops in uh, his own little bomb, I guess, uh, which is uh, you know uh, to ask those she now follows about how she dies. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, nice little bit of planting a seed, yeah. um, of truth or not, um, again. Is it to undermine the 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 leadership of, of Gravik's group? Yeah, um, exactly. and at least for Talos, because you know he's pleading with his daughter here to leave that bomb, uh, you know where they are, and not yeah. take it back, not to carry out this plan. Um, and again, with the art dealer, with Fury and and Talos, I love that scene. Um, you know. Attacking him, uh, yeah. the art dealer who is a scroll as well, saying, you know, you would betray your own people to Talos, um, it, which was yeah. you know, really good. You, you see how, uh, how much on the outside Talos has become here. I mean, even I think he mentions he's been exiled from the scroll council. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, he was their leader. He's the one that, that put them in contact with Dick Fury back uh, back in the 90s. Yeah. You know, so. But again, I've got question marks all over what I've just said because uh-huh. that's just the nature of, of, of the show. Of this show. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, which is which is really good. I love this stuff. Um, Absolutely. Sort of, it just makes you kind of back and forth, go around 
um, the the episode again in your head about things. Um, but yeah, that that fight between the art dealer and Talos was really good. It was really cool. I also love the interrogation scene with Fury as well. I love this uh, yeah. this idea where Nick asks him a question. He tells him the answer, and Nick goes, "Okay, that's the light. Everybody gets one light." Nobody gets to. Uh, yeah, I love that line. <laughs> really, really good. The interesting bit for me is the actual square, square itself. Mm-hmm. That it, this ends badly in multiple Very. ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, first being that the terrorist plot happens. Like yep. Nick Fury, one of the greatest spies, can't stop a terrorist plot. And they the terrorists blow up red, quote unquote, red square. Uh-huh. Um and that that's that's one massive hammer blow. The second is that Maria Hill is no more. Yes. Yeah. Um shot, shot and killed in the street. Or yeah. is she? Yeah, so that's going <laughs> exactly. that's the thing we're always I'm gonna like, ask. Ah. Uh, uh, like but well we'll get to that in, in, in case number five. But um this is the thing, like I get the feeling that this may be one of those shows where every episode, because it's a six-episode arc, Mm -hmm. every episode's going to be dun-dun-dun at the end. Yeah. It's like, and you're waiting until next week to find out more. How will our heroes get out of this one? Like, that's where we're going to get to. Uh, But it's a good, like, they've just ratcheted up the stakes straight away by killing off... Someone who's been around since Avengers One. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like- Absolutely. I was kind of like, I I can't fully trust this, but it looked like you know, eyes wide open, hadn't turned. Um, certainly at that stage. Yeah. But it's it's pretty instant. Um, you know, once once they die. Yeah. It it, um, it has been, yeah. and what we've seen in the episode definitely. So and, and I, I think there's enough time with Nick being pulled away from her. There's enough time where you see her dead there yeah. that it's like they're trying to underline here. Yeah. Maria Hill so is dead. It, it was a real shock. Um, I, I guess there's a third one as well in that you know at this moment Gaia seemingly can't be trusted. Like yes, yes, she she did the. The tracer, the infrared tracer on the back of the the mm. backpacks, um, but ultimately uh, they were all empty, and the bombs all seemingly had been planted earlier on. Uh, so I really like that. I loved the chaos as well because you don't see it. Seeing Nick Fury shoot Maria Hill as yeah. well, then I was like. Oh, so he is a scroll, <laughs> and then <laughs> or course, oh, she is a scroll, and he's just found out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and but then you see Gravik um sort of transforming from that Nick Fury yeah form. Uh, but also there is a little bit of weirdness for Nick Fury I with the kind of yeah. you know the the country kind of girl with the rainbow ball. Yes, exactly. In um, there that has Fury's interest, uh, and he begins to follow it. It's almost like he gets distracted in the moment. Well, there's a massive reason for that. Go on, because I didn't get it. Earlier on in the episode, when Nick goes for his walk to get captured by um, by Sonya's men, um, he's walking down 
the street and sees the same girl yes. with the same ball at 11 o'clock at night. This is or a very late at night, let's say. I can't remember the time. I think it might actually have been about two o'clock in the morning. But anyway, yes. so really unusual sight for Nick that he's seen this little girl. And then he sees a couple kissing. A woman turns and directly faces Nick and watches him as he walks past. That same woman is also in the square after he follows the little girl. Yeah. She effectively goes behind a building and a woman walks out on the other side and it's the same woman that he saw kissing. So um, okay, e- I- either Nick recognizes them as scrolls and they are taking him away from where the bombs are happening, so I think might be, or he's having some kind of break and uh, it- it's guiding him in some way. Well, because I only... S- I mean, I didn't see the woman who was kissing, but I remember that scene. Mm-hmm. I didn't really capture her in the in the square scene but certainly with the the rainbow ball but then i was like whilst then it looked like a girl playing with a and a mother coming to bring her in right and this time i was like oh is this like imagination or something like that i wasn't even necessarily thinking it was ptsd it was just like a, a, a frame for him um because just of how she was looking at him. And because of this whole thing, um, you know, from Maria Hill, from uh, Sonia uh, and Talos about him not being the same, mm-hmm. there's some kind of uh, link to that. So I didn't really, that's how I kind of took it up, really. But <laughs> now that you say it, that yours seems, yeah, basically. So I took it as it was Gravik and the Warriors. So, uh, from the beginning, they were originally tailing him since he's arrived. They knew that this was a trap mm-hmm. from the get-go for, for Fury. Uh, and yeah. they, they've been following him since he's arrived back on Earth. And yeah. they, the whole point is they wanted him there. Yeah. Um, that's the way I took it because it's the same, a lot of the same people. Like, I went back, like, a lot of people in that square that the camera, pans to or stops on yeah are people we have seen on fury's journeys including people in the pub as well people in the pub are there very good gravic now i assume it's not just gravic they could be saying it's just gravic and he's been there all along but i took it as it's gravic and the warriors and they've just been surveilling him like he's never been out of their quote-unquote sight at some point and, and um, here, the little girl with the big rainbow ball is going to attract his attention. He's moved away from the location where Gravik turns into Nick Fury and kills Maria yes. Hill. Like yeah. that's the per- that's the other side of the mission that's happening here. Exactly. So I mean, her, yeah. but I think the interesting picture. thing will be now is was Gaia ever in on that? Right. Well. That's a great way to set us up. I think, I think that's, that's everything on the bomb plot in the square. Um, one thing, of course, we do have to say that it is a really shocking moment. The loss of Maria Hill, um, is massive. You know, as exactly as Chris said, she's been around since the Avengers had had quite a big storyline throughout the show. Uh, in the comic books, Maria Hill becomes director of S.H.I.E.L.D. and has been for many years. She's a very big, uh, comic book character as well. So it's a real surprise to see, uh, Kobe Smulders uh, getting killed off the first episode of the season. Um, that doesn't happen very often in Marvel. Um, so let's move it on to point five because yeah. that feeds in perfectly. Case note <laughs> right. number five. Every week, I think we're going to have this as our final, our final note, our final case note uh, for the episode. Who do you trust? Who can we trust uh, within this episode? Let's start with uh, with Maria Hill. Do you trust that Maria Hill was on the level throughout the episode, and do you trust that she's dead by the end of it? 
On the level, yes. Dead. I don't know, and I, I'm thinking not. Okay. Like, they, they leaned in hard into Fury is usually three to, I think they say three steps ahead mm-hmm. at all times. Yeah. I'm wondering if he's doing this 4D chess type thing where the last episode, Maria Hill is going to come out of something. Right. Come out of a, yeah. like, a, a place with some saber people to save the day. And it's been, Fury has known about graphics plans for, and that there's been infiltration for X. Mm-hmm. And he's been, it's been getting to a certain point. He let it get to a point and then has taken action. And as part of that, he needed Maria Hill to be off the board, quote unquote. So he put some special kind of bulletproof, um, kind of, piece that with squibs and things okay. like that so when tala shot her she played dead okay and that's, that's what, where i was going like they they, Gra- they it was graphic shot her, yes it? but like yeah. he had a bulletproof which had fake blood under it or something yeah. like that it's shield yeah. they can do it like i just I absolutely think she's such it's a big character yeah. to kill off <laughs> yeah but she's not big enough that it's going to be <gasps> like a tony stark yeah no absolutely you know like I, I keep going back to Winter Soldier with this whole and, and with Hydra takeover of Shield, mm-hmm. and it was it's Maria Hill that steps there. So for me, she is trustworthy. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of agree with you, Chris. To be honest, um, that she's if there is a bluff from Nick Fury, then she's in on it, yeah. and something is 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 being done um by her if so i mean i certainly do think she's on the level mm-hmm. here so i Excellent. would have trusted her um yeah whether that means i'll be dead we'll see <laughs> excellent i like it i like it uh okay let's go to the main character of the show do we trust nick fury even though everybody's t- saying that he's changed since um since the blip do we trust nick fury yeah i'll go yes i mm-hmm. I, I think he's just um, I think he he had a bit of PTSD, but he's okay. focused on Saber because it's a bigger threat. Something, something, something. Um, and he's just he's he's Nick Fury, yes, but yeah. he's just he's playing 4D chess again. That's it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, I trust Nick Fury as well. Uh, I, I I'd say that. Um, I, I love John's theory that he's playing it down. Um, he's playing himself as the old Nick Fury so that he can. Uh, manipulate people. I think that's a, that's a really good call, and definitely something that Nick Fury would do. Yeah, I mean, I I trust him at this stage. Okay, do we trust Talos? Talos has been on Earth. He was the leader of the Scrolls. Do we trust that he is completely on the level? So, yeah. I will say we trust him, but not completely on the level. That's yeah. the thing. There's going to be different levels of kind of at the heart of this show. This is a spy show, yeah. spy thriller. You're going to have double agents, triple agents, Absolutely. quadruple eight-toklet agents. Uh-huh. Like, it's going to be a plot within a plot within a plot. Like, the only thing I really don't want, and I've said it in my head, and I'm hoping it doesn't true, which is at episode six, uh-huh. we get some form of... Do you remember the very first Mission Impossible film? Yeah. Yeah. Where at the end you had this flashback where everything was like it was a plot within a plot within a plot. Yeah. And that was the secret plot. I'd love that. Can you like they might do that because that's where like 
you'll see them Maria Hill and Fury talk about getting shot and having there's another person within Gravik's warrior group who's actually working for uh Fury, etc. 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 It would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Any other uh, any other thoughts on Talos? So two more characters. I I would trust him at the moment, but I would have a flag uh-huh. over him as a risk because I actually feel yes there will be double triple agents and so on I feel he is an agent that could turn at this moment because you have the complicating factor of Gaia so if you think of a situation if Fury had to kill her mm. that would be a complication for Talos and also, just with the fight between him and the art dealer stroke bomb maker, who uh-huh. was also um, a scroll. So he says to, to Fury, look, let me fight him. You, sit, you stay sat down. Mm-hmm. In the end, the art dealer is pretty good with, um, a, he's a pretty good fighter. And but it's Fury that shoots him, yes, and you see Talos go. I told you not to. Mm. And I'm just wondering whether, like, the honor system around Skrulls. So yeah. I do trust him at the moment, yeah. or at least certainly through the first half of um, this episode. <laughs> this <first> episode. <laughs> and then I suddenly decided that my risk-based system would put a flag on him. I like it. I like it. Um. Just two more characters, promise. Uh, Sonia Falsworth. Do we trust Sonia Falsworth that she is who she is? Yes. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. Ooh. And then I'll be stabbed in the back because A, she's either British or B, she's a scroll. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's definitely British. Yeah. Um, I go yes because it's, she's the, the too obvious for her to be yeah. a scroll. Interesting. She could be working for Val de Fontaine. Mm-hmm. Um, from kind of uh, Captain America and like Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever, yes. Or uh, she, so she could be working for her. I just don't think her work being a scroll. It's just too obvious being a scroll. Right. Excellent. Excellent. And finally, then, do we tr- can we trust Gaia? Can we trust that she's on the level? I know that she's part of Gravik's group, but we mentioned it earlier on. Could she have been sent there by Talos? Could she be the double agent? working underneath Gravit to get the information to learn about it on behalf of her father. So I think Fury might have sent her. Oh, interesting. So working for Fury, and that's going to piss off Talos. Interesting. Like, that's what they, he, like, you sent my daughter into a cult. Ah, like that mm. type of, that's a good dynamic and a good kind of friction to add. Right. Um, but at the same point, yeah. maybe not. She just also has a change of heart when she sees Gravik doing something bad. One other interesting complication I have on Gaia is that when we did see her in Captain Marvel, she was very good friends with Monica Rambeau, who uh, who we saw in WandaVision, who yep. eventually became a, a, a secret agent herself, or an agent herself, um, before going into WandaVision. So um, I wonder, had she had some contact with uh, Monica Rambeau? Maybe yeah. she's working directly with... Monica, and that's and that's how we get Spectrum into this TV show um, as her second appearance before the Marvels. 
Well, we do know we do know Rambo is working for Saber yes, in the trailer do. for the Marvels. Yes, we do. And yes, she's working do. with Fury. Yeah. Um, definitely, in, yeah, potential. Yeah, um, like they're best friends from when they were kids, right? Yep. That's they, what they I'd were. say. If, if they st- if the scrolls stayed on Earth all this time, and they were the first family that they met, that Monica Rambo would have quite a strong connection with uh, with Talos and uh, and Gaia. So maybe that's our connection there. Uh, good stuff. Any any other thoughts on Gaia? Um, for me at the moment, no, I don't. Um, Just take her at face value. But- she's she's turned and now is hoping for a world where they can live in their own skin. Well, I don't have the old subterfuge stuff or, uh-huh. or background on her. So at the moment, yeah. just purely on how she's done, yeah. I think no. But I think a bit like Talos, I would have another flag because... Right. She's a scroll. You can't trust any scrolls. <laughs> no, because I, I do feel like what you were saying before, and that's why there is something, yeah. um, is, again... She's been told by her father, ask the people who you now follow Mm -hmm. about your mother's death, because she seems genuinely shocked at the death of her mother. And secondly, I think what you were saying about, she seemed like she was more into helping out the refugees. Mm -hmm. Um, And just the current feeling I get from her and possibly the relationship with Gravik and his... um, second in command yeah. you know it doesn't feel trustworthy yeah yeah she did mark the bags though as well but she did so, and yeah. again that might be sort of deep deep undercover so yeah. this is effectively you know i can absolutely see um what's being said that she's a long-term undercover exactly. operative here yeah. child labor <laughs> Super long term child labor. Yeah. Um I'll 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 end with this one question and it's gonna be it's more an interesting fun one. Can you trust Gravik? <laughs> the leader of the script. The leader the main bad guy. The mm. reason I give you this, right? Which is in the comic books. Okay. Secret invasion, it the scrolls are led by the queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ruler, the the religious head of the Scroll Empire. Yes. Wouldn't it be so cool? Okay, which is Gravik is actually working for Fury, and okay. like literally, he's actually the second in command under. We we're introducing episode three or four to the real big bad, which okay. is the Queen Scroll. Who has like, he's like, whatever. And it's, Gravik's actually been working for Fury to stop this whole thing. And he's, it's all like some big, massive plot. Like, I know, it's like the biggest stretch, but it was just like, it's cool. Hey, it's a theory. This is our theory section. Yes. Uh, and yeah. I'm sure we'll revisit this as the series goes on. Good stuff. I think that's a bit of fun. I like yes. the idea of that though. Yeah. I mean, as I say, it's like, who can you trust here? And exactly. um, Gravik potentially might not be Gravic. all that important. He might be the the real leader's number one, uh, second in command. See, see I, I, I think they played on that in this episode where they had Pagan looking like the real leader and you see a shadowy figure of abo- up above and then the reveal of Gravik later on is that he's the leader of the yeah. group. So, so I think that, but hey, look, as I say, 
all theories right now in the first episode. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, any notes about the episode you want to call out? Any any lines that you particularly liked from the episode that we haven't haven't spoken about? The only note I'll have is if you are interested, do read the original Secret yeah. Invasion. It's collected in hardback, softback, everything, paperback. It's all there in your local comic book store or online. It's fun. Don't know how much it's going to be pretty much right now is not connected, i.e. it's just yeah. scrolls impersonating people yeah. so far as the connection. Uh, but it is uh, definitely one of the best comic book arcs for a uh, long, brilliant. long yeah. time. It's excellent. I was rereading it recently. There's like so many comics that are tied into it. But for a shorter experience, there's a five-issue comic that came out this year led by Nick Fury and Maria Hill with Secret Invasion 2. It's a really short one. Five issues. Uh, very, much, much smaller story than the original uh, Secret Invasion, which I think was over 100 issues. Uh, yeah, it was With big. everything gathered together. Great yeah. story, though. Um, but it, but a short, a short five-issue comic uh, came out earlier on this it, year. I think it's being collected in September. Because it followed Civil War, didn't it? Yes. And that's when I realized I hadn't the actual financial resources at that time to really <laughs> pick up everything, spend yeah. the amount of money that I was doing uh, <laughs> on these massive event level. There was a lot uh, comics. There were tons, certainly yeah. with all the tie-ins. Yeah, yeah. there was, but there it was, was worth lot. it. Definitely. If you can pick it up, yeah. with the, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. But absolutely. Yeah, that's very nice. Yeah. I think Secret Invasion is one of my favorite. Uh, events for sure absolutely absolutely uh two notes about the episode for me uh we didn't mention roadie uh in this episode and the president of the united states of america played by dermot mulrooney uh very cool to see uh him in here but just interesting to see that uh james rhodes is keeping a track of maria hill and nick fury and uh They've both gone AWOL. That's all we hear from him. He, they're supposed to be up uh, out in space where he can keep tabs on Nick Fury. Um, Maria Hill's supposed to be where she's supposed to be so he can keep tabs on her. And now both of them are AWOL. I just thought it was an interesting way of bringing Rhodey in here. So uh, hopefully we'll see more of uh, of James Rhodes later on in the season. We know we will. That's or no an spoiler. armor war is whenever it comes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Definitely coming. Definitely still coming. Yes. Um, so, we just don't uh, know when. So good stuff. And then uh, <laughs> one of my favorite lines in the episode, uh, just Nick Fury calling out that... Um, uh, the Avengers was his midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That <laughs> was a, a good moment. one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good line. Some people buy a fast car. The Avengers was my <laughs> midlife crisis. Excellent stuff. Uh, one, one other thing to do at the end of our five-point discussion, we decide whether we defend the episode or not. This should probably be a pretty short one because we did uh, call it out up front. But overall, Chris, do you defend Secret Invasion episode one? 100%. This Excellent. is a great opening. Um, and it's going to be one that I think... It will have us questioning a lot of things throughout the the season and then the past of the MCU and the future of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, unfortunately, we do have a bit of longer to wait now because of the writer shock, but it's right. It's a good thing. So strike away. Keep Absolutely. us waiting. Anticipation is good. Um, but mm-hmm. this is going to be, this will have rolling impact on the MCU. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. Yep, absolutely. Excellent, excellent. John, do you defend Secret Invasion Episode 1? I do defend uh, Secret Invasion Episode 1. I would give this four little green men out of five. Possibly even even a 4.5 after this discussion. I really enjoyed this, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I just know after watching Episode 2 from the uh, screeners that we got, I preferred that. Right. Um, I felt... Grading on a curve, is what you're saying. Yeah, (laughs) I'm grading on a curve like a teacher, exactly. (laughs) I'm making sure I get the bell curve at the end. Yeah. Um, So for me, um, I think, 
yeah, th- this was a really strong opening. Mm-hmm. Loved it. I loved the shock of Maria Hill. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't love it, but I was shocked by, you know, Maria Hill's death. Mm-hmm. But again, this is all about questioning yourself um, and what's real, what's not, who's double, triple agent. Um, and I love that kind of stuff. Uh, it was great to see Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, really, really enjoying seeing Sonia Falsworth uh-huh. uh, as well, played by Olivia Coleman. Can't wait to see more of her. And interestingly, from uh, didn't mention in the notes, but um, the name of the character comes from uh, a member of the Howling Commandos as well. Is that right? Ooh. Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, James Montgomery Falsworth, um, who we saw in Captain America the First Avenger as a member of the Howling Commandos. In the comic books, he becomes Union Jack, yes. I, I believe. So, um, so there is a long, long standing connection, uh, back to a member of, uh, Howling Commandos. I don't know, even though it's a TV show based around Nick Fury, I'm not sure whether we're going to get flashbacks that far into a history we don't know, but it would be really interesting. We saw, uh, how he got to meet Sonya when she was younger. Yeah. Well, it's not to say that we'll be getting flashbacks, but it's just those yeah. reference points, I yeah, guess, exactly. to the Howling Commandos. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. For sure. That's cool. Uh, but I, I, and a reminder to everybody, this year is the 60th anniversary of Nick Fury's first appearance in Marvel Comics. So, uh, so quite cool that they may be referencing right yeah. back to. So they're going to kill him off then by episode <laughs> six. Excellent. It's only 15 years in the MCU. He's got another 45 years in the MCU to go. We haven't even had, uh, is it LMDs or LDMs? I can never remember which way around. Yes, life, life, life novel decoys. decoys. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I know, but every time I, I always think it's weirdly done, and so I always think it's the other way round. And in the end, I got it right the first time. But I, yeah, yeah, I never do. So anyway, yes, absolutely defend this. Uh, can't wait for uh, the for you guys to see the next episode as well. Uh, so, yeah, my four little green men out of five. Excellent, Excellent. stuff. Derek, do you defend? No, I mean, hated it. <laughs> <laughs> of course I do. This is everything I wanted and way, way more. You know, the, the opening episode of a six-episode spy series should always be this pace, should always give you some action and some intrigue and make you question everything you know. Um, the opening with the death of Everett Ross in itself was pretty shocking. Uh, yeah. it, it opens up that question of, have we been seeing Everett Ross at all throughout, the, throughout all of his appearance? Has he always been a scroll? You know, um, that's a really interesting question to open it up with. Uh, the return of Nick Fury, what's been happening to him since the blip, really exploring that and getting some time with him as a character and with all these other peripheral characters that we've seen before, bringing back his family of Talos and, and Gaia from... Uh, Captain Marvel and having those connections drawn out. Since we haven't had a sequel to the Captain Marvel movie, it's great to have that explored in the second, in this first series of of Secret Invasion. And I think there will be um, some good ramifications as this series progresses and how it's going to spread out across uh, the rest of the MCU, which is really exciting for uh, for a brand new TV show. It's been a long time since we covered Marvel TV. I'm so glad we're coming back with this one. Yeah, maybe some Rambo ifications. Might there might be some Rambo ifications, Monica Rambo ifications. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Thank you so much for joining us for our discussion about. Secret Evasion, Episode 1, Fellow Defenders. Uh, please make sure you reach out to us and email us with your thoughts to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries and leave your thoughts on the spoiler post. We'll discuss those in the feedback uh, on the next episode. But we do have one more piece of business. Of course, we're going to go to the pub. 
Get we, some bourbon. <laughs> yes, we are going to a, a grimy Russian hovel to drink some bourbon, maybe a vodka, maybe a, a bottom shelf vodka, or maybe just piss. Well, maybe, maybe. But remember, that's how the Cold War was stopped, by uh, by some people buying um, shots for the right people. I'm glad you said that. Excellent. Yes, it's time for our pub quiz, of course. We will be asking one question for each episode of Secret Invasion. Uh, one question for this episode, one question on each episode coming up. Gather the answers together. Email us at the end of the series to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with all six answers correct, of course. Uh, the, the one with the most correct answers will be put into a hat and we'll get some Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Sorry, Nick Fury, Secret Invasion goodies uh, at the end of the series. There promise to be some good ones there. Yes. yes. You're so, John, on iPad. Yeah, they, it might be. It might be. But there's some even <laughs> cooler stuff. That I could. mean, a flirking. Flirt, flirking. We're not posting a cat to anybody. Oh, I promise okay. you. Uh, we might get extra entries if we said we were. Uh, John, do you want to give us the first question for our Secret Invasion pub quiz? Yes. Uh, fellow defenders, fellow quizzers, question one. What do Nick Fury and Maria Hill traditionally share over their game of chess? Excellent stuff. That's the first question. Do you want to give it, repeat it again, John? Sure. What do Nick Fury and Maria Hill traditionally share about over their game of chess? Good stuff. Gather all six together. Email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with your answers, and uh, you'll be in the chance for getting those goodies. Yes, and it's some goodies. Like I said, iPad or a flurkin. Also, really cheap vodka. TV podcast industries will not be sharing or sending a live animal through any postage. (laughs) But you'll get a a free cat, but it will not be a free cat. It will not be any cat, any animal cat, I promise. Thanks so much for joining us. We will be back with you next week for our discussion about Secret Invasion Episode 2. I can't wait to talk about that one. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope we'll hear your thoughts uh, over to our feedback section. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. If you like what you heard, make sure you like and subscribe and do all of the things. Send us the reviews, send us your feedback and everything. You know where to find us. Just head over to tvpodcastindustries.com and that will give you all the links. Thank you so much and we'll speak to you again next week. Yes, uh, thank you so much, fellow defenders, for joining us. It is a pleasure to have you back chatting all things Marvel until episode two of Secret Invasion. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and be careful who you trust. Bye. Bye. Bye.